Last week, we had an amazing service, too, because last week's message, we revealed our brand new purpose statement. And our brand new purpose statement is this. Say it with me. Are you ready? We find God, give hope, and do life together. And how important is that? How simple is that? But you know, something so simple doesn't mean it's not so important. We find God, we give hope, and we do life together. And I'm so glad that you're here at Christ's Legacy and you're part of our family that, that finds God, gives hope, and does life together. But you know, just because we know who we are, it doesn't mean that we really have a strong understanding of what we do or even how we do it. And so today, I want to talk to you a little bit about the strategy, strategy that's involved in what our purpose is, our purpose statement, finding God, giving hope, and doing life together. How many know strategy is an important thing? You know strategy? I mean, sometimes it's not just about doing something, but it's, it's about the way that you do it. I remember whenever I was a little kid, I collected baseball cards. And um, I, I, I never really got into watching a lot of baseball, uh, but but I did enjoy the cards. I don't know what it was. Maybe just the way that my mind works. I love statistics. I love looking at the back of the cards and looking at what all the players do. And, and so I, I collected these cards. And, and even though I didn't maybe understand what all the statistics meant, I knew somewhere down in my child brain that if you really understood these statistics, you could, you could begin to develop a, a strategy and how you played the game. Any baseball fans in here know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm not just talking to myself here. There's some real big baseball fans. And I never really got into watching the sport, but I, I on occasion, I'll see highlight reels, and I'll, 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 I'll kind of get into that. I'll, I love reading about the news about the games. And so, and so as, I, as I kind of grew up, I began to see that that there was strategy hidden inside of what seems like a, a simple game, right? I mean, catch the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball, right? That's, that's it. How strategic is that? You catch the ball, you throw the ball, you hit the ball, you score the home run, right? But it, it's not quite that's simple. There's, there's strategy to it. And, and I didn't realize how much strategy there was until I started realizing that, well, you know, you have a, you'd have a hitter uh, or, excuse me, a batter that walks up behind home plate and that catcher recognizes the batter and the, and the, and the pitcher recognizes the batter. And so what do they do? It's a heavy hitter. And so he stands up, he moves aside, and the catcher moves aside, and they walk him. I'm thinking, why would they walk? And then I realize that he could do devastating damage in the game if they got multiple runs off of one hit. There's strategy there that's going on. And, and then I, I realized that maybe, maybe if there's not a heavy hitter at, at home plate, but he's a consistent hitter, then the outfield begins to adjust because he always pulls his hit to the left a little bit so that, you guys know what I'm saying? He, he, they come in and, and they get ready to catch that ball that's about to be hit to the left a little bit. And then, and then if you have a good catcher, wow, that catcher, he can, he can catch the ball and he can catch the ball all day long in the center. All those catchers know how to catch the ball all day long, but a, a good catcher 
can catch a ball out here and make you think it was caught right in the middle, right? And so a good catcher will increase the stats of a real bad pitcher. <laughs> There's strategy that's going on, and if you don't know what the strategy is, if you're not familiar enough with the sport, then, then that strategy gets lost on you a little bit. But as you read into the sport and you start leaning in and you understand the sport, the strategy behind it, then you'll begin to discover that that even an okay team will manage to climb the scoreboards, not because of the pure ability, but because of a really foundational, foundationally good strategy. And things like that, thinking about how foundational strategy is, uh, uh, it, it gets me excited. I mean, when, like whenever I'm watching that third base coach, and all he has to do is tell the runner when to run home, right? That you got one job. And how many people get upset with the third base coach? You had one job, man. One job, and you still blow it sometimes. But strategy begins to be important. And, and even though it's straightforward, catch, throw, hit. There's so much strategy to be filled with. As Christians, you and I have a pretty straightforward job, right? God reveals to us who we are, what we are, and what we're supposed to do right there within the, within the confines of Scripture. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus tells us exactly what the parameters are for our church and what we're supposed to be doing. He says, uh, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've commanded, uh, I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that so simple? You catch, you throw, you bat, right? It should be that simple. But there's strategy involved with every church, within every community. Jesus gave us the parameters that... Uh, of what we're supposed to be doing in the Great Commission, and we even have the best coach. Not like one of these third base coaches right now. <laughs> we have the best coach. It's the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Right there, we've got our third base coach telling us what to do right in our ear. Right there, we've got a, a, an idea of what our strategy is. We, we're supposed to start here and work our way out because that's exactly what the disciples were doing. Right there in their own hometown, right there in their community, and then in the next community, and then the rest of the world. But worry about where you are right now. So we've got, we've got what the game looks like in the Great Commission. That sets up our churches. That tells us the rules. That tells us everything that we're supposed to be doing. And then we have a coach in the Holy Spirit. 
And then we have where we're supposed to do all this stuff in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It should be that simple, right? It's to catch, to throw, and to hit. But as we look, we begin to understand that the will of God is so specific for the church. But parenthetically to my notes, I, I just want to tell you something. That there's a lot of people that really get stuck in their life. Because they're so worried about what God's will is for their life. You're so worried, you're so upset, you, you feel like you can't move, you can't do anything until you know exactly what God's will is. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be thoughtful and prayerful about what God's will is for your life. But I want to tell you something. One, one of the most freeing things in the world is to help you understand that when the Lord sets you free, you are what? Free indeed. That's exactly right. And that means that, that when we think about the things that we're supposed to do, as long as they're within the confines of Scripture, as long as they follow the, the, the general strategy of what God has for us, then we're not outside of God's will. So then it's not about the, the kind of programs that we do. It's not, about the, it's not about the times that we offer services. It's not about, the, um, uh, it, it's not about how long the message is, maybe for some of y'all. Uh, it's not about all of that. It's, it's really about the Great Commission and doing what God has called us to do to, to reach people, to disciple people, to baptize people, and to walk with the Holy Spirit knowing that He's with us. And if you're doing that, that means that you're right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. And how freeing is that? How freeing is that in your life? So what exactly, when we think about the will of God, is what exactly is CLC to do because of it? What, what does Christ's legacy do to make sure that we're in the will of God? Well, in this moment, some churches make a very critical mistake. They see the Great Commission, and they see, um, they see that they're with the Holy Spirit. And so they, they, just start, they start to think, well, maybe we, should, um, maybe we should set up practices, you know, like if you're going to do batting practice. We should, we should set up practices and have services, and, and we should, we should um, uh, invest in equipment, and we should, we should do all these, you know, various things that, that, that cause us to be the very best Christians, the very best players that we can possibly be. And, th and that's a good idea. But, but then they never schedule a game. <laughs> and, and so in theory and on paper, they're really, really good. But if you don't ever play a game, then your stats are really, really bad. I mean, come on. And, and, and so as... as Christ's Legacy Church, I want to make sure not only that our, our practices are good and our services are good and, and, our, and our classes are good and we're helping you to be the very best Christian that you can be, we have to walk outside of these doors and engage our community and actually invest ourselves in them and play for keeps. 
We want to see people come into a saving knowledge of, of who Jesus is in their life. We want to see miracles take place, not just within our, our church family, but in our community where we're in and around. We want to take Christ to our work and into our homes, and, and, and we want to see Jesus make a difference. And so it's not just good enough becoming the best Christians we can be. Our job is something different. We're to start engaging. We're start, we are to look at our community and begin to strategically think about who our community is and how we can engage them for the sole purpose that souls are one into the kingdom of God. And that's got to be our laser focus. So as we talk about our strategy today, uh, the very first word that we need to look at is what does it mean to be a community? And a community is broken down into two distinct groups. First, we can look at geography, and next we'll take a look at people. But in the geography of our area, we're located at 11101 North Morgan Road. It's actually a physical address of Yukon with a zip code of 73099. How many of you feel like you're in Yukon right now? Nobody? Well, I can't imagine why. It's because we got a P.O. box in Oklahoma City, and the very closest uh, high school to us is Putnam City, or it's kind of a dead race between um, Piedmont High School, believe it or not. And so you start thinking about where we're located geogra geographically, and, and you kind of get a little bit of a gray area. Yeah, where are we? Well, we're in Yukon. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're in Oklahoma City. Well, I'll kind of, you know... And, and it kind of gets blurry. And so let me clear this up. We, right now, are here. <laughs> there you go. Clear. We're here. And being here is a good thing. Ask somebody that's there and they'll tell you. <laughs> they want to be here. But I don't want to get too technical with what here means, because you'll see in just a second as we continue to discuss. Next, I want to look at our people. And as we look at our people, we can break people down into two different sections. We can talk about the community of people that makes up our congregation, and then we can talk about the community of people that makes up our people in our community, okay? And in our congregation, we have a beautiful congregation, we have a, a, a wonderful congregation of people, and I, I got to tell you, everywhere I go, everybody always tells me that our, our people are some of the friendliest people in the whole entire world. And I applaud you for it. I thank you for it. Whenever people walk into this place, they feel welcome with open arms. And some of you literally are standing out in the foyer going like this <laughs> with open arms. And I, and I love it. I love it. But there is a, a law of attraction at play here. There's a law of attraction that, that happens even at Christ's legacy. And that law of attraction states that, that we're going to attract people that look like us. And there's nothing wrong with that, but, but I really believe at the bottom of my heart that God wants us to attract so much more Amen. than just people that look like us. As a matter of fact, I think that we're supposed to start in Jerusalem. I mean, not like, you know, that Jerusalem. I mean, like, here, where we are in our community. And then we branch out. And so our church should be a reflection of what our community looks like. 
Not just what we look like right now, but what our community looks like. And as we begin to invest ourselves in people and love people, we can ask ourselves one thing to ensure that we are doing the best job we can possibly do. There's one question I believe that we could ask ourselves and we can get a gauge whether we're doing a great job in our community. And that question is simply this. Would our community hurt if we shut our doors? Would our community hurt if we shut our doors? Would people notice if we're not providing spiritual and moral care? Would people notice if we were not providing pastoral care? Would people notice if our programs were shut down? Would people hurt if, if we just disappeared? And if that's the case, if we would leave a big, open, gaping hole in our community, then the answer is we're doing a really good job because we're interconnected into our community. But if the only call that we got of complaint was from our membership that they didn't know that service times were changed, then we're not doing a very good job. And so I use this question, would, would our community hurt if, if we shut our doors? I use that question to gauge where we are in meeting the needs within our community. So I wanna take what we've learned about community I want to take what, we've, what we know about people and the geography, and I want to actually look at a map, and I apologize if I'm messing with people right now, but I want you to be able to see this screen without any hindrance. And so the very first thing that you see up here is a map, okay? And this map is, um, is a map of Oklahoma City and the surrounding area, and we are located uh, on this map, and I'm not looking at my notes to see where we're located because you're here. Okay, but we, we are located right here on the map. But, but I want to show you where you are located and really where you live on the map. So I want to I click on congregation really quickly. And I want to show you where our congregation is all over this map. Would you look at that? Now, each one of these pins doesn't reflect one individual on the con in the congregation. Each one of the, these pins represents a household uh, on the map, and so we have hundreds of pins, but then that represents that many more households, and, and I, I've got some news for you that if everybody came on one Sunday, we wouldn't have enough chairs in the auditorium to have everybody that belongs to Christ's legacy. But if you look at this map, we're all over the place. I mean, we have people like uh, El Reno and Kingfisher and Moore and Norman. We have Edmund. We have uh, uh, Cashin. We have uh, Mustang and Moore. I, I think I said Moore already. We even have, I don't know, like, you know, um, people in Laguna West. Anybody know where Laguna West is? Oh, my apologies. That's uh, actually in Sacramento, California. Um, <laughs> I want to welcome our online church right now that's watching. Hi, guys. Can everybody say hi to our online church? Yeah. Thank you, guys, out in Sacramento. And uh, all over the place that are actively engaged as a part of Christ's Legacy Church. And so you're going to see somewhere your house right over here. And uh, as a matter of fact, we, we've got people all over the place. And so our community is huge. We have a huge community, a huge need. But... That is just overwhelming to us. And I don't even know where to start whenever I begin to look at this map of where our congregation is located. As a matter of fact, if there are, 
Some places, your pen may not even be represented because there's a few of you living in that area, and so it looks just like one pen, but there's really, when you zoom in, there's lots of pens there. And so right now, I want to I look at, uh, I want to zoom in a little bit, and I want to look right there on, on a two-mile radius just around our church. And you can see that red circle right there creates a two-mile mile radius around our church. How many of you people live inside of a two-mile radius in our church? Okay. Wow, thank you guys so much for coming. You guys are lucky. Look at that short drive. Wow. How many of you um, maybe live outside of the two-mile radius? Okay, yeah. You know, this is really important because as I study statistics and, and, and these numbers, I found out quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I found out that 25% of people within a congregation, excuse me, not 25%, 48% of the congregation will drive 25 minutes or less to our church, 25 minutes or less, and uh, that equals about 15 miles or about 14 stop signs or stoplights. I mean, I'm thinking about this stuff. And so why would I say a two-mile radius? Well, it's really easy because the next statistic helps us understand that 83% of first-time salvations want to only drive five minutes or less to a church. That's just how it works. And so why five minutes or why two miles? Because if you get into, if you live five minutes away, you drive about two miles to our church from your house into our church parking lot. That's the math. That's how that works. And so I want to I, I want you to understand this, and as we take off the, the, the congregation, I want to show you where our neighborhoods are right now. And our neighborhoods are right here. As a matter of fact, if you, as you look at the screen, the gold pins represent about 50 neighborhoods. It's not about, it's exactly 50 neighborhoods right here within a two-mile radius of our church. And in those neighborhoods, it's anything from rent control apartments over here all the way to golf course houses over there and literally everything in between. It's a beautiful cross-section of, of Oklahoma City right here within two-mile radius. And I am so excited whenever I, I start talking about this and looking at it because it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing because turns out you're always in the center of your radius, right? <laughs> little math joke, thank you. But in all, you know, the way that we used to develop um, uh, towns and town planning is that we would put the church right in the middle of the community, and it would be the community church, and everybody would come in. But that's not how cities and towns develop anymore. As a matter of fact, Sometimes you just put the church where everything's grown and things grow past it and then the church gets left in the dust. And so what we do by placing a radius around our church is saying, we don't know exactly where, what community that we fit in. And so we're going to say that everything inside of that two mile radius, that's ours. That's, that's our ministry area. That's the people that we go after. That's the, that's the, that, that's the homes that we go after. That's the neighborhoods that we go after. 
And so when we begin to look at this, we, we discover a couple of things. How do you know where the people are going to be and how do you know where the people are? Well, the, the, the public has done an excellent job helping us understand it because now there's a new indicator. Instead of, of the church, now they have elementary schools. So go ahead and click on those two-mile elementary schools. And those two-mile elementary schools have popped up within our two-mile radius and in the community. And would you look at that? The purple is the schools. And look right here, right there, right here, right here, and right here. Those are our four elementary schools. As a matter of fact, those are the four, the only, uh, the, the only four schools within two miles of our church. At the beginning of this semester, I asked Pastor Bobby and Pastor Sam to take a, a, a platter of cookies. Actually, it was Pastor Bobby's idea, but they took a platter of cookies to each one of these elementary schools. And they set it in, right there in the teacher's lounge, and they began to pass out all the cookies, and they just said, Christ's legacy loves you. Okay? And then Pastor Bobby emailed all the principals of the schools and said, we would love just a, a, a meeting with you to talk about how Christ's legacy can serve you in the community. And we got responses from these principals. And I want to share with you two of the, uh, of the schools that we connected with, Will Rogers Elementary School and also Stone Ridge Elementary School. Will Rogers Elementary School, we sat down with the principal, and they were so amazed to be connected with a church. And we asked them, hey, what, what does the church need to do for you? And they said, you know what they said? Our kids feel like prisoners. Well, good. I mean, kind of. I don't want them to feel like they're free, you know. They feel like they're, they're prisoners. And, and watch this. This is amazing. He said whenever they go out and they play on the play equipment and it's all bleached and scratched and messed up, he said, we just need it painted. We need it painted. And how easy is that to go and paint a playground? I mean, I don't know. I've never done it before, but I think we could probably do it. And there's just a need right there in the community that a principal just reached out to us and said, yeah, if you guys can do that, that'd be awesome. I love that. But then I want to talk about Stone Ridge here. Stone Ridge is kind of special to me because as Pastor Bobby sat down and spoke with this school, the principal actually identified with some of the same struggles that we had. The principal of this school said that they are a Piedmont school in it with a Yukon address and they don't exactly know what community they fit. And so that they're funded to do everything they're supposed to do, but they're not staffed or resourced. They said no church has moved to adopt them. They have no connection to a community that they're not in. And I was like, hey, look at that. You're, you're in our community. We should make a partnership here. And you know what that principal said? A principal said, uh, you know, if, if you could help us, there, there is one, one or two things you could do. Like, right now, we don't have any testing monitors. And th these are people that they, that they need just to go into the classroom, to sit with the teacher and not do anything. Just make sure that the teacher doesn't give the kids the answers to the tests. Shame on you, teachers. <laughs> he said... Do you think that you would have people in your congregation willing to do that? I, I, whenever Bobby, Pastor Bobby told me this, I was like blown away. The schools in our community within two miles are begging us to walk into their classroom, 
to sit with the kids and have a relationship with the teacher and to bless them. Talk about open doors in an age and an era where, where we're not allowed in the schools and we have an open invitation to come in. Are you kidding me? We ought to be taking gift cards to these teachers as we do monitor, as we are monitoring their classrooms. And all the teachers said, amen. <laughs> what a special, special thing for us to be invited to this elementary school, for us to be trusted to do this. But as I, as I look through all the examples in our community, these are just a, a few examples of the ways that you and I can engage our community. Make no mistake, this is not a social gospel where we're, we decide that in order to help Jesus come back, we're supposed to make the world like his kingdom. That's not what I'm trying to do. But whenever I read scripture, I, I, see, I see one thing that's really clear. Everywhere Jesus went, he performed a, a miracle. And when he performed that miracle, it opened the door to do something spiritual. I think that everywhere Christ's legacy ought to go, we ought to work to perform miracles so that it'll open the door to do something spiritual in people's hearts and lives. I wanna go ahead and take away everything but the radius on the map. Yeah, take, oh, leave the, leave the neighborhoods up too, yeah. Because I, I, I wanna point one, one more, make one more point. These green pins here are the businesses within two miles. What I'm amazed about is, you know, you can, obviously the, the Northwest Highway and how many businesses are popping up there, that's normal. But I look and I see all the businesses popping up in all the neighborhoods. And you know what that is, is it's home businesses. I love the fact that within our community, we have people that are so brave and so tough and so, so smart to open up these home businesses in, in, in their neighborhoods and in, in, their, in their homes. These are the people that make up our community and how we're supposed to somehow connect with these businesses and we're supposed to connect with these neighborhoods. We're supposed to connect with these schools. And, and let's go ahead and take everything off. And, and I, I want you to go ahead, I know this is not in the notes, but would you just mind putting up the congregation again and, and, and zooming out? Go ahead and take off neighborhoods and yeah, yeah. And zoom out just a little bit so we can kind of get an idea of this. Yeah. Because there's one thing that I want you to see. Perhaps you see your house here, perhaps you don't. But this, this is not just what Christ's legacy is a, should do. This is what you and I should do. This is a strategy that, that we need in our own very lives. This, there's a goal that we should have. I want you to continue to think about reaching out in these areas. We have wonderful outreaches like the Easter egg hunt and Vacation Bible School and, and Harvest Fest. We have Back to School Bash, all these wonderful outreaches that we do. But that's not all that we do. 
And that's not the only strategy that we have to reach our community. As a matter of fact, I wanna, I wanna ask you to buy into one strategy this year. Personally, as an individual, I call it goal 111. Goal 111. And it's really simple. Every one brings one person to a saving knowledge of Jesus every year. It's so simple to think about. You witness, you love people, you bring them to church, they get saved and they stay here and they become part of our church. And you do that once a year. There's some of you that have a gift of evangelism and you're gonna naturally do this and, 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 and maybe you're gonna win more than just one person to the Lord this year. But there's other people that need to be challenged, just one person. And when you begin to do this consistently, over time we will begin to develop what will look like the rest of our community in our church. Where we're so connected with our community that if we didn't do what we are supposed to do, people would hurt because we're not doing it. It's simple, go one, one, one. After all, I kind of think that's what a healthy growing church looks like. If you want a real picture of what a healthy growing church looks like, it's found right there in Acts chapter two, verse 42 and 47. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. That's our focus. But watch what happens whenever we do what we're supposed to do. When we live by the purpose of finding God, sharing, showing compassion, giving compassion and doing life together. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And watch this. And each day, the Lord added to their number, to their fellowship, those who were being saved. Christ's legacy, I, when I close my mind and I begin to imagine, and I want you to dream with me, what would it look like for our church to become that New Testament growing healthy church? I don't think that you have to imagine very hard because there's so much great here. But it's not all about here. It's also walking out of our doors and in our neighborhoods and in our businesses and in our schools. That's the impact of the community that we're supposed to make. I think about families coming in with problems and situations and other families in Christ's legacy, just surrounding them and giving them hope for a new day. 
I think about marriages that are, that are torn apart and, and are so divided that they say that the only thing that, they, that God, or the only thing that would have, could happen for them to get back together is for God to do a miracle. And then all of a sudden, God does a miracle and they're a success story. I think about a, a, a healthy growing classics group in our church that is walking around just looking to mentor somebody. I, I think about our youth program that are cutting edge, that are loving people and doing crazy stuff for the glory of God. Less crazy than liability sake, <laughs> but still crazy. I think about a legacy kids that is pushing the word of God deep inside of the hearts and lives of children so that, that God's word would prevent them from sinning, prevent all that mess that they'll get into later on in life. I think of our church being filled up, not with perfect people, but people like you and I People like what we'll find out here. People that need the Lord. So, today as you go home, or maybe this week, I want to ask you to do what we did. Would you just pull up a map and draw a circle around, it, around you? Turn your location services on, whatever you have to do. Because I want some of you, no, I want all of you, to draw a circle, that's it. That's all you gotta do. Some of you need to draw a circle around your block and say, Lord, everything in this circle, I'm gonna minister to. I'm gonna minister to every person in my block. I'm gonna minister to every person in my neighborhood. Lord, I'm gonna draw a circle around my office and every person in my office, I'm gonna be their pastor. Some of you may need to draw a circle around your house. Lord, I'm gonna minister, I'm gonna witness your life and your love to everybody in my house. But maybe, just maybe, there's somebody in here that would need to draw a circle around themselves today. Because you say, Pastor John, all this strategy, all this stuff, I mean, you know, catch the ball, throw the ball, hit the ball, that all sounds fine, but not even save myself. Would you stand all over this room with me? We have a mission at Christ's Legacy. We have a purpose. It's to find God, to give hope, and to do life together. But if you don't know Christ, then you don't know hope. You don't know love. It's hard to do life together if you feel like you don't have a real life in God. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? Today, I wanna to pray with you. If you want to know God for the first time or recommit yourselves to Him, if that's you, would you just slip up, up your hand? And I wanna count you in my prayer this morning. I know it's not a salvation message, but every message is a salvation message. If you wanna know God for the first time or recommit to Him, that's you. I'm looking all over this place, okay. Next, I wanna ask you this simple question. How many of you 
would say, Pastor John, I commit to drawing a circle in my life somewhere and ministering to everything in that circle. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? You commit to doing that in your life. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, God, for each one of these hands that are raised. Lord, hundreds of people this morning. So Father, I pray, God, that you would help them Give them wisdom and understanding and discernment. Lord, give them the spiritual gifts that you spoke about in your word that equip them, Lord, to walk confidently and boldly, Lord, into, into relationships, Lord, and to share your life and your love, God, with everybody that they come in contact with. Lord, that we would have a winning strategy, Lord, to accomplish the purpose that you've given to us, to go out, to win them, to your kingdom, to disciple them, Lord, to baptize them, and to walk with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd bless each and every one of these people today. Lord, empower them, Lord, to do all that you've called them to do and much more. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now let's go out and find God, give hope, and what? do life together. God bless you this morning.